stage this morning. Could you guys do me a favor? Can you just do a round of applause? I'm gonna move this. Good morning. I'd like to welcome those who are our first time guests if you're here today. Uh, we welcome you to Banner Church. We hope that you feel loved here. And if you don't have a home church, we'd love to invite you back again to, to be a part of what God is doing in the church here. Uh, in this new location for us, we've been really excited about what God is saying and doing in the church uh, this morning. Well, it's, it's going to be a unique and a special uh, service this morning, something different that Many churches never really uh, go through a lot, hopefully, uh, but what we're going to experience here this morning is uh, be passing on uh, the torch, passing on the baton uh, to your new pastor this morning, and I want to speak very directly to uh, your new pastor, Josh and Katie, this morning, but before I do that, I wanted to just welcome a couple of guests that uh, are very, very special in my life and Bridget's life as well. First of all, my, my brother is here today. Um, I, I just want you to know I'm the better looking brother. There's three of us. He's, a, he's the youngest. And uh, uh, Lee, he's the secretary treasurer of our Arizona Network of the Assemblies of God. And, uh, and he's been very instrumental uh, in this journey. Uh, I don't say that lightly. Uh, but in the very beginning, before we even uh, agreed to accept the, the assignment of coming to Scottsdale to assume the leadership of the church. Um, it was probably eight years ago that we had many conversations with Lee uh, of sharing with us the potential, the vision uh, for the area and what we could do here. And it was really Lee who, uh, along with the Lord, opened this door to help us to see the potential of what could happen in Scottsdale. And I'm so grateful for that. Uh, also, many of you don't realize that my brother has hired two of the best and the brightest in this congregation. Katie and Stacy both work for him as assistants, so um, he's got two of our best and brightest here. And so he, he chose a good pool to draw from for employees. And uh, so, but Lee, thank you. We honor you this morning uh, for how God has used you in such a very special way in our life and, and in the life of this church Many of you, um, I know you fully don't realize, but behind the scenes, so many things that the Lord does that we don't see to arrange things and to set things up in order, in order uh, for a church to become healthy and established and become fruitful. We also have with us um, another official with our Arizona network, and it's uh, Jeff Peterson. He was my wife's youth pastor growing up at uh, the Phoenix Dream Center, and then also her college pastor, and then he pastored Red Mountain Assembly. Many of you know Jeff and Carla. They were there 18 years in Mesa pastoring, and now he serves as a care pastor over all of the, the churches and pastors in our Arizona network. It's a very significant position, and he's touching the hearts and lives of many, many pastors. Jeff, it's so great to have you here today as well. We welcome, we honor you. Thank you so much. It's been um, just a powerful influence. He sang in Bridget and I's wedding uh, <laughs> years ago, and uh, but they're going to be a part of uh, at the end of the service coming up and praying with us over Josh and Katie as we release them into this new role. I want to say that I know that we've had conversations with many of you, and the church is in this transition. There's changes, and there's new things happening, and 
and there's excitement and then there's a little bit of apprehension there's a little bit of doubt a little bit of fear i mean everybody has all these mixed emotions i mean i'm going to tell you bridget and i do too i mean there's days where we're like what are we doing and there's a mixture of all kinds of emotions bridget and i were talking about it last night and i but i kept thinking to myself that when we uh, make a choice to obey the lord and to step into new things and there's change and transition it's for the growth and the expansion of the kingdom of god it's for the growth and the expansion of the church and it's what we call growing pains how many can relate to that i and if you're feeling some of those growing pains, I mean, I, I'm with you, I, I understand, but in order to grow and to expand, and to oftentimes to follow the Lord in these kinds of things, there, there's those growth pains, and transitions are not easy, they're difficult. If they weren't, more people would be doing it. Somebody say amen, you know, so that's where we're at. I, I got some wonderful messages from... Um, uh, the church in Bangkok where we'll be going and and they understand uh, uh, where we're at here as well they're going through some of those same growth pains and we got some real positive messages they heard that first message of the series a few weeks ago uh, possessed the land and we're so encouraged and we feel like God is beginning to already knit our two churches together in, in a really healthy, deep relationship, and we're going to be uh, partnering together uh, to the, do work for the kingdom. But growing pains are, are difficult, and I know that we're all experiencing that, but it's for the betterment of the church and the growth of the church and so that we can be more fruitful, and that's what is taking place here. So I encourage you to stay focused on the word of the Lord, what God is saying, and what God has promised, and as we go in to possess the land, the focus can't be on where we came from and, and through the wilderness experience and all that, but we've got to cross over and possess our land and stay focused on, on what God is calling us to do. Amen. So join with me this morning as we do that, and this is another step. It's another step of growth for the church, and Bridget and I feel so honored that you have blessed us. You're just not only releasing us, but you're sending us with your love and your blessing, your prayer and your support to do the work of the kingdom. And for that, we are so deeply grateful. I'd like you to turn with me to the book of First Peter chapter 5. And there's a few verses in this chapter that really uh, will bring home what we're trying to share here this morning that is so important. And it's some verses about shepherds. It's from a fellow shepherd named Paul, who was an apostle, and um, or Peter, rather, who was an apostle, and he's writing uh, to the church and to fellow elders, fellow shepherds. And I want to say that this this verse uh, of scripture that we're going to be reading isn't just for myself or a Josh and a Katie, but it's also for the shepherds who are here today that are parents, your shepherd in your home. It's the same principles would apply as your shepherding people as a leader. He goes in this first verse and he says, now uh, a word to you who are elders in the churches. He said, I too am an elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ, and I too will share in his glory when he is revealed to the whole world as a fellow elder. But he says this, I, I appeal to you. And he makes this appeal, and before we go into that, I, I want to say that the, the title of this message this morning, if you can remember this, it's a, it's a shepherd's appeal. It's Peter who is a wonderful, caring, loving shepherd, and he's making appeal to to us, and I, I want this appeal to be very understood, especially for Josh and Katie here this morning. It's the word of the Lord. It's, it's a shepherd's appeal. In verse number two, he says, 
care for the flock that God has entrusted you, knowing that the flock is something that God entrusts to us. It's not man that entrusts us a flock. It's God. And we are not lording over the flock, but we are stewards of the flock that belongs to the Lord that's been entrusted to us. And he says in there that care for the flock, watch over it willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God, to steward. It's not something that you're going to try to take something for the flock that's been entrusted. My first point this morning, and I want to challenge uh, Josh and Katie in this, and they do this, but really it's the, it's the first element. It's the first point of our mission statement uh, up here on the platform. That heart up there speaks of the love, and, and then in the middle there, it's the torch that we're going to be passing on here this morning, discipling, and, and, uh, and then the sending part is that ship over there. And uh, some of you know some of the old stories of missionaries. They literally went over on ships to the mission field, and many of them even took their own caskets with them, knowing that when they go, they weren't coming back. They would die on the field. It was a sending that was quite dramatic, and, and a great deal of sacrifice was involved in that. But first of all, love the flock. I believe, and I would pray that this church would be the most loving church in the city. It would have a reputation. It would have, you know, that image that when people walk through the door that nobody could say when they leave Banner Church in Scottsdale that they did not feel loved. They didn't feel accepted. And there's so many different ways to show and to express love. And I think oftentimes we, we don't affirm the love. We don't verbalize it enough. We do it in our home with our wife and our children. But in the church, I would challenge you as leaders in the church, not just Josh and Katie, but to love the flock as Jesus loves the flock, and he gave his life for it. Amen. Amen. Just love. I think it's just basic. People, they don't care how much you know. They want to know how much you care. They want to feel the love of God, and when they come into a church, this is the most important in life. That's all that we do as a church. If we, Even if our programs are, are not running as smoothly as we would like them, if we love, we know that that covers everything and people feel a connection, not just to a church, but they feel a connection to the Lord himself as they experience God's love through our life just flowing. Let it flow. Let it just run, you know, un, unending flow of love in the church as people come in. It's one of our greatest sources of impact and uh, loving people, and we love the flock. In Acts uh, chapter 20, verse 28, uh, it says here, so guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church purchased with his own blood over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders to feed them, to shepherd them. This is the main role of, of a pastor is to feed and to shepherd. Shepherd isn't just making decisions. Shepherd is, is, a, is the deepest level of leadership for a pastor. It's caring, it's loving, it's listening carefully to the flock that God has entrusted and that Jesus spilled his own blood in order to purchase this flock that we're stewarding. It's a very serious thing. And, and he compels, he says, guard yourself but also God's people and feed and shepherd. You're a protector of the flock. It's something that Bridget and I have adopted many, many years ago in our first um, lead role as shepherds uh, in the church. And I remember the Lord speaking so clearly to me. I'm just, I was crying out to God just for 
of principles and thoughts that would really help me to be an effective leader, a successful leader in our first church where we were senior pastors. And I remember the Lord dealing with my heart so definitely and saying, you know, shepherd your family. I mean, that's the first priority as a shepherd in your family. And fathers understand this, even single moms understand this, that we, we shepherd our family. That's a priority. And just as a, the same principles that apply biblically apply in the home in shepherding, not just leading, not just giving orders and making decisions, but truly shepherding, listening, and caring. And secondly, Bridget and I found great success is that our second priority was to shepherd our leaders, to shepherd our staff, to shepherd those under us that were teaming with us in the work of the ministry, that we were very careful to shepherd them as well and to care for their needs and make them feel like, you know, you're not just part of a team doing a job, but we want to shepherd your hearts and your destiny. We want to help set you up to be successful. And Bridget and I, our heart and our passion, it's been over the years, even when we've done these transitions before, is that that who comes in behind us, that there is a platform from them to be able to lead from where they can be fruitful and successful. Because we know that if they're successful, we're successful. And it's like our own children, those on the team that we're shepherding, it's like our children. We want them to succeed. We want them to be fruitful. Amen. And then thirdly, to shepherd the flock. It's in that order that we care for those people that God has entrusted to us, and then we affirm and express that love on a daily basis. We verbalize it, and we tell people. And I, I love it when I see people in the church. It touches a pastor's heart when I hear people saying, I love you, I care for you. If you need something, give me a call. I mean, just those, those tender words of, of love and caring that take place in a flock, in a body. And I think that's the thing that Bridget and I will miss the most. As we start this new journey, as we're sharing with one another and, and uh, we have developed deep, deep relationships with so many of you in this body over the years, that is the hardest part, knowing that that love will remain, but it's going to be at a greater distance, but knowing that relationships are eternal, relationships go on forever, and Bridget and I cherish that. We cherish the memories so deeply. Number two, that I think is also important, we, we love the flock but not only that is we need to lead the flock. Leadership is, it's an art that has developed over years of experience. Obviously, I've shared with Josh a couple of times, there's some things that I can't tell you, teach you, show you. You're just going to, you're going to learn it when you get into the role and the position of a lead pastor. You're going to learn it. It's like being a parent. I read, I just read books. I talked to other parents but I realized it wasn't until I became a parent that there's just some things I could not understand, and I didn't learn it till I actually got into the position of being a parent. That's going to happen with Josh and Katie. And I think that as sheep, a lot of times there can be an unfair expectation of the shepherd, and be very careful to have fair expectations of your pastor's knowing that they're human, that they're going to have days where they're tired, days they don't feel good, bad, you know, difficult days where you need to lift them up their arms and encourage them as sheep and not have these unfair expectations of them, but realize that they're a steward, they're a shepherd, but they're also in sheep's clothing like you as well. And you need to honor them and treat them with respect and pray for them and lift them up. Be careful not to judge their mistakes too harshly, but encourage them even at times when you feel like a mistake is made, and believe me, as a leader, we make mistakes all the time. 
Be very careful to support your pastor in this role. Lead the flock. In verse number three, he says here, don't lord over the people assigned to you're eager to serve God. Don't. It's not that we're a tyrant and we're leading and lording over people, but we're shepherds, obviously. We don't lord over them, he says here, but lead the flock. And I wanted to say that your examples will be your best sermons. Josh, your example as a leader will be the best sermon that you can possibly preach. For those in the church as well, that your lifestyle and your example, those will be the best messages that you could ever preach to a lost and a dying world. How you conduct your daily affairs and your living and those examples. Leading by example is what they call it in the Leadership Principles 101, and that is so critically important. People are watching. They're not just listening to what you say, but they're watching what you do. Secondly, the pulpit is not the only feeding station. I've had great concern over the years as I have watched various pastors where they, they seem to delegate all the shepherding responsibilities to their team or their staff, and they've almost become like a professional preacher, and it's like they show up in the spotlight on the platform, they preach the sermon, and that's the extent of it, but they're not really with the sheep that much, and it's almost become like they're a professional preacher versus really a shepherd. The pulpit's not the only feeding station, but probably even beyond the pulpit, the places where we can feed and disciple and nurture the sheep are not just in the mainstay of the pulpit on a Sunday morning, but it's in the everyday living. It's in a hospital room. It's before a wedding or it's at a funeral where people's hearts are, are full of joy or full of sadness. So we have some of the greatest abilities to minister to people and to bond with our sheep and to be there for them as a shepherd. Those are certain things like that we don't delegate. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, it gives such a great example in this verse. In verse number 11, Samuel said to Jesse, and he's looking for a shepherd, not just a leader to, to rule over Israel, but he's looking for a real shepherd. And he said, um, are all the young men here? And he said, there's one that didn't go before Samuel. He's the youngest. And and there he is, he's keeping the sheep. It was David, the youngest, that didn't pass in front of Samuel as he's looking for a true shepherd leader, a servant leader to, to lead Israel as the new king. But he's in the sheepfolds, and Samuel said to Jesse, send him, bring him, will not sit down till he comes. He sent, brought him in. He was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. That's Josh Weisbrod, by the way. He's ruddy, bright eyes, good looking. I'm sure Katie feels that way. And the Lord said, arise and anoint him, for this is the one the Lord has chosen. Now, I can say with a confident heart that passing on the mantle of a shepherd isn't just because of man's choosing, but we know in our heart and through confirmation, through prayer, and through much patience over the months that that he's the one, and we, we attested that on Sunday night when we came together and we met as membership in the church and everything, it was, it was a confirmation that he is the one, for this is the one. And Samuel took the horn of oil, he anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward, and Samuel arose and he went to Ramah. Let me say that you know your job is done when you smell like a goat. Josh is going to be like, what? <laughs> when David came out from 
tending to the sheep, and he shows up, believe me, he didn't have time to go jump in the shower and put on his best clothes before he went before Samuel. Believe me, they grabbed him, they took him out of the sheep pen or the flock of sheep, and they brought him before Samuel. I guarantee you he smelled like goats and sheep when he came there. You see, that wasn't the point, but that was a sign, I believe, to Samuel and to the Lord that this is a man that was just faithfully tending the sheep. He wasn't putting himself out there to get promoted. He was just being faithful among the sheep and you know that your job is done when you smell like a goat somebody say amen to that so when you're around josh and you say josh you smell like a goat give him a thumbs up you know this guy he's with the sheep and i think this is so important and then it's you you understand in psalm 78 as well verse 70 that this is a powerful verse as well he says he chose david his servant in verse number 70 of Psalm 78, he took him, listen, he took him from the sheepfolds. He went from the sheepfolds to kingship. Think about this transition. From following the ewes that had young, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, not just to lead them, but to shepherd them and Israel, his inheritance. So he, listen, he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart, and he guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. Josh, this is critical that integrity of heart is said by many, many leaders is probably one of the greatest keys to successful and fruitful ministry. Not just gifting, not just skill, not just charisma, but a heart that is integrous and sometimes making is, you know, if we have made some laborious, difficult decision, but thinking, well, what is the right thing to do? I don't know about you, but many times as a leader, I want to almost maybe just flex my authority a little bit and make a decision that's going to make me feel a little bit better or maybe maybe make me look a little bit better. But in the integrity of my heart, I know some of the hard decisions I make probably won't allow me to tell my side of the story, but I have to do what is right in the integrity of my heart. And they're very difficult decisions sometimes but because of integrity, God requires that. As a shepherd... Choose your leaders from the sheepfolds, not the platform. And so oftentimes I, I, I see leaders and they'll see somebody that shines on the platform, full of gifting. We want that. We want excellence. We want talent. We want God to be able to use the giftings of individuals, but be very careful to know that the track record of an individual Josh, understand that as you look into the sheepfolds and how they shepherd and how they lead, how they conduct themselves among the sheep, that that is an important aspect in choosing a leader, not one that just wants to shine in the platform, but one that is, you know, smells like a goat too that's with the sheep. If we only lead with our gifting, the sheep will always be looking for more charisma, not character in their shepherd. I can't begin to tell you how often people will go from meeting to meeting to meeting and they'll hop from church to church to church because there's a little bit more charisma in that venue and that leader or that speaker has a great deal of charisma and it's like they're drawn to the charisma and to the gifting. But we have to be very careful in that. That we're not just looking for the charisma and the gifting, but we're looking for more than that, for the character in a shepherd, that the integrous heart there. And if we only lead with our gifting, it's not a healthy mix for the sheep, but they need to see the balance of the gifting, the skillfulness. And David, it says here that he, he shepherded them with the integrity of his heart, and he guided or he led them by the skill of his hands. 
And I, I have to say that I'm not only deeply impressed by Josh and Katie's skill set and some of the skills that, um, that they had we really needed in our church. In fact, I want to thank my brother for that as well. I got a phone call one day, and it was, it must have been, it was a year and a half ago. And Lee called me, and he said, Dan, I just met with this couple from Seattle, and I think they have a skill set that you could really use in your church. And they're wanting to plant a church, but they're probably a year away from it, and he's just going to come here and get a job. And, and uh, as he's planning and preparing to plant a church, why don't you meet with them, see if maybe they'll come and work with you at the church. They've got a very unique skill set that would bless you. Lee, thank you for that phone call. See, again, it's... Uh, <laughs> I appreciated that. But not only the skill set that they present, and I, and I want you to trust me in this, their skills and giftings that this couple have that you haven't even been exposed to yet, that have not yet been revealed because they're not in the lead role yet. But when they come in the lead role, you're going to see there's going to be a greater authority. There's going to be a different kind of anointing as lead pastors as they begin to lead this church. It's going to be thrilling. It's going to be exciting. God's going to release them, I promise you. I prophesy to you into another level of dimension of leadership because they're in this lead role. That's going to happen. And they humbly embrace that as they begin to lead with strength and they lead with authority. And I'm excited to see that. But not only that, it was the integrity of heart as I shared with him in many occasions about ministry philosophies and being a spirit-filled church and, and even a missions church and not thinking in my mind that he would have some of the kingdom concepts that I have harbored in my heart for so many years. And, and I was just so not only deeply impressed, but I was really touched by uh, the leadership that's been above his life, his experience and his background in ministry. And I thought, this is just such a great fit. And you're going to be able to hear some of that more and more. His vision is a big vision. His vision is a bold vision. His vision is going to challenge you and challenge the church to go forward. He's not here just to maintain as a leader, but he's here to take you into the promised land and send Bridget and I into another promised land in Southeast Asia. Somebody say amen to that. And I'm so grateful for that, that that he's also going to be in a role that there'll be a time before Bridget and I leave for Thailand that Josh and Katie and some of the leaders are going to lay hands on us in the same way that we're going to do him here in a few moments, and they're going to speak over us and pray and release us to take the same message, the same mission to Southeast Asia and Thailand as an extension of this church to advance the kingdom of God. We are so excited about that. Are there wrinkles in, in the process? Are there things that we have to work out? Yeah, absolutely. But we know that God has spoken. We know that God has given promises in this. And again, it's the growing pains. It's like, I, you know, I want growth. I want to go forward. And some of you sitting here this morning that it's like, I want to spiritually grow. And when we pray those prayers, Lord, I just want to get closer to you. We don't realize that when we pray the prayer, it's like, well, if you want to get closer to me, I'm going to have to remove some things from your life so you can get closer to me. And many of us would say, but God, don't take that from me. Don't take that from my life. That's going to be too painful. But, but you prayed. You want to get closer to me. 
And oftentimes in our prayers, we don't fully count the cost, as Jesus said. And, and that's where we're at as a church is, is right on the verge and the cusp of, of great growth and, and a prosperity in the church where God brings forth the fruitfulness of people getting saved. And as I saw people last Sunday, as we invited many to the altar at the end of worship to be prayed for for healing, and we had so many people up here just believing in simple faith for God to touch them, I just saw a picture in my mind of the future of this church church where the altar is going to be a place that's going to be filled with miracles in the future because of simple faith of the people of God here this morning that just pray boldly and they believe what the word of God says. Hallelujah. And because they believe it, God says, I'm going to manifest the power of my word and my promise in the church. And number three, this one would probably be interesting to you because it was something that was spoken to me many years ago as there was a pastor that my first pastor that I worked under after Bridget and I were married. His name was Virgil Jones and it was during that time that Bridget and I, we were engaged and literally scheduled, had the appointment, the interview. We were on the verge, I was gonna go back to Asia as a newly married couple. It was burning in our heart it's a long story, I won't share all the details, and it got interrupted right midstream. We got called in. It's where my brother and Jeff work at the office there, and there was a former leader who has now gone to be with the Lord, and he brought us in. In fact, Bridget was one of the best and brightest working in that office as well. <laughs> and uh, we were dating, we got engaged, and we were gonna, literally after we got married, we were just gonna launch and, and go to the field. He brought us in, and he said, Dana, Bridget, he's just kind of a blunt, straightforward guy. You know, he doesn't mince words, and he said, I've, I've changed my mind about letting you go to the field at this time, and I'm like, he can't be saying this. And he said, I thought about it, and I realized that I don't think it's going to be healthy for you to be adjusting to marriage and adjusting to a new culture at the same time. I think it's going to be detrimental to your marriage and put uh, all kinds of undue stress and so I, I want you to wait. Well, I'm starting to get kind of ruffled. I'm sitting there thinking, well, this is what I do. I mean, this is my job. And I'm getting married in just a few short months. What do you want me to do? And I was just a little, you could sense just a little sarcasm in my response. Like, what do you expect me to do? And he says, just go and find a job. And I'm like, okay. And then Bridget's crying, and she goes, well, we've already made up our wedding invitations. Do we send them, Bridget, or do we just have them made up? And our wedding, he does, if he's not going to have a job, well, you just probably need to postpone your wedding. Well, at that point, then, it was just like, we were so done. We're sitting there, Bridget's crying, postpone the wedding, just go get a job. All this, our dream, all this is just going to be put on hold because of this one man. Well, we walked out of his office. Bridget, I don't remember this, but Bridget says she remembers it. She goes, I heard you squealing out of the parking lot of the district office. I'm thinking, yeah, I, I probably did, you know. And I'm driving down the freeway. I'm like, I don't need this guy. I don't know. I can just go independent and my supporters will still support me. I had all this brainchild going on in my mind. It's like, I'll just do this myself and I'm not going to submit to this. This is unfair. It's wrong. And I did. And, and I'm driving down. And God just spoke to me. He said, Dana, I'm bigger than Brother Sites. I'm bigger than this. You got to trust me and, and just submit to me. 
And I called Bridget up and I said, Bridget, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but we need to surrender ourselves and submit to this. And we did. I got a job with Chase Bank. I was working right down there in University and Mill up on the, the fourth floor of that building that's still there today and got a call from this Virgil Jones and he called and met with us at, at our Denny's restaurant, took us to dinner. He said, hey, I'd like you to come work with me in Tucson. I'm going to be transitioning in a couple of years and I could really use your skills and your leadership, Dana. And, and uh, they were one of my best supporters when I was a missionary. And we got out in the parking lot, and he said, pray about it. He goes, Dana, if you decide you don't want to do it, then I'll just take Bridget. <laughs> so, and he would have, and he would have. So we got in the car, Bridget's like, I don't need to pray about this. I'm, we're going to Tucson, you know, we did. But I wanted to say that it was two of the most fruitful years of our life. We became missions pastors. We led teams all over the world, and we saw God do some amazing things. We we planted a church in Mexico with a bunch of crazy college students, like many that were here, helped us start this venue a few years ago. And it was the same scenario. Where I don't know what it was. We just attracted college students, and we just thought, we can do this, and we did it. I realized God's hand was on that situation. I remember writing a letter to Brother Seitz and a couple of years later, and I said to Brother Seitz, I wanted to thank you for your leadership, your love, and it was so difficult. And but now I realize that God's hand was on that situation. And I want to thank you because as the scripture says that the elders in the church, the shepherds in the church look out for your very soul. And I want to thank you for that. And he called me back after he got the letter. He said, man, he goes, I always get those other kind of letters that are, you know, I never get these kind of letters very often. I said, this was so special to me. Thank you so much. And he goes, it just... He goes, I really didn't think you and Bridget would do it. And um, he hung up, and then a week later, he died of a heart attack. He was out mowing his lawn, and he died of a heart attack. And as I sat in Virgil Jones' office as he's making his transition, as he's passing on the mantle, and, and he's packing up the books in his office after 35 years, I slipped into his office and I said, Pastor Jones, can I can just ask you a couple questions? He's out and he's packing his books and I'm thinking, what is going through this guy's mind right now in this transition? He said, I said, Brother Jones, what would you do differently if you could go back 35 years and do this all over again? He goes, well, I, I love shepherding. I love pastoring. There's a lot, not a lot I would do different, but uh, just a couple of things maybe that come to my mind. He goes, it's been a great, great uh, journey in ministry. But he goes, obviously, Dana, I would have spent more time with my family. And the demands of the church grew so rapidly and quickly. I, I was constantly struggling to find time with my family. But he goes, but probably the number one thing I would have done differently, and this is my third point that took me a long time to get to it here. He goes, I would have laughed more. He goes, I just so many times took much that happened in the ministry way too serious. I'm a real intense, kind of serious person. I mean, I'm so opposite of Bridget. And that just stuck with me. Josh, you love the flock and you lead them. But I have to say to you that this is such an important point is that you have to find time to laugh with the flock. 
is to laugh and let there be a spirit of joy that fills the sanctuary in the time. In Psalm 126, it said, when the Lord brought back his exiles to Jerusalem, it was like a dream. We were filled with laughter. The Bible says we sang for joy. And the other nations even said, what amazing things the Lord has done for them. Yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. What joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord. They're praying now as streams renew the desert. And those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy when they weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. I challenge you to, to laugh with your sheep and allow the moments when we have gone out and we've sown in, in the tears of joy. And, and, and even with what Bridget and I are doing, it's the steps that we're taking. There's, there is, there's tears. There's weeping on our side, on your side, that it just seems like we're having to make a sacrifice and there's a change, there's a transition. We're gonna have to stretch and, and do this. And every time in your, the church, as you and Katie are leading, there's gonna be times where the Lord will speak to you as a pastor and say, I, I want you to sow your seed here, or sow your seed there. And you know in your heart, it's like, how's this gonna fit the budget? Where are we gonna get the resources? Where am I gonna get people to volunteer to do this ministry? And there's gonna be some sacrifice. And as you take that, step of faith and it's like there's going to be times where there's tears in that sowing and that sacrifice that you make but in your heart knowing that the word of the Lord has promised that we will come back after we experience the harvest of the growth pains there's going to be joy there's going to be laughter and we're going to say it was worth the risk it was worth it that we sacrificed and we sowed in these different areas of the city different areas of the world because we're a church that is not satisfied just to maintain and to be comfortable and always avoid a transition or to avoid change. Let me say this, the best definition of leadership is change. That's the definition of leadership, change. And that's what needs to happen and the growing pains that come with it. But there's gonna be those moments as a church where we get to celebrate the breakthroughs and celebrate the harvest and celebrate the fruitfulness and celebrate the, the, the souls that have come to Christ because of that sowing and tears that has taken place. It is so powerful. It's so worth it. Love them. Lead them. Laugh with them. Rejoice with them. The story of a, of a missionary that was in Africa. Don't mind me. I'm gonna, I get to tell all my missionary stories. I mean, because that's, that's what Bridget and I do so much. And he... His name is Del Tar, and he was a missionary in Africa. And he, this is one village where this little boy went into like a hut, a shed where the father stored their stuff for their farming and agriculture. And it was during the drought season, it was during the season where there was very little food. And he said at night you could hear the babies in this village crying because they didn't have enough to eat. I mean, it just could be no worse sound than a baby that could not get enough to eat. And it's crying at night. And he said, the village would be filled with those cries of these children. And this little boy went in there and he reached up, climbed up and saw a bag there. And he reached in it and found this bag of seed. 
and grain and ran to his father so excited that we get to have food tonight and he, thinking his father must have forgot about it and he, he thought he made this incredible discovery. His father in tears looked at his son and said, we can't eat that. And since son, you don't understand, that's the seed that we have to plant so that we won't starve. And he goes, we have to preserve and save that. So when the planting season comes, we have to plant that seed. It's reserved. If we eat it, there'll be nothing to plant. We'll starve to death. And the boy didn't understand. This little boy didn't understand. And they planted that seed and the rains came and there was a harvest and he said, but it went from a few months before where there's the cries of the empty stomachs of the children in the village crying at night. But then a few months later, as they get into the harvest season, he said, they're dancing and rejoicing. They're laughing. They're full of joy because the harvest had come and they've got enough food now to feed their people and to feed their families and they understand the concept. And that's what this scriptures is speaking of so clearly that even in this season of the church that many of you are asking you, would you sow your seed with us? Would you make a sacrifice with us? Would you get behind Josh and Katie and support them as they lead and we determine where we're going to sow our seed so that we can have a great harvest? You don't get a great harvest just from a program. You don't get a great harvest from a hot sermon on Sunday morning. You get a harvest because you sacrificially, along with the congregation, you're willing to sow and you pray and you allow the Holy Spirit and the rain of the Spirit of God to begin to reign on a congregation so they can bring forth the fruit, the harvest, and the growth that is so needed in the church. We love, we lead, we laugh, we go through the processes in all of this. And I just want to say to you that it is an honor, it is a privilege to pass on the mantle to Josh and Katie. Bridget, do you have those um, there? Just hand them to me for a minute. We had a lady in our church um, years ago. And in many countries, Bridget and I have taken, it's what we call a, a shepherd's mantle. And she made these. And I said, I just want it to be something of a simple material that would represent a, a, a shepherd. When Elijah had this mantle, Elisha, who was like his protege and assistant, understood the, the significance of a mantle. And, and you know the story in Kings when even Elijah takes the mantle and he strikes the water and God parts, you know, that river and, and supernaturally in the mantle. It, is symbolic. It represents authority. It represents the power of the Holy Spirit. It represents an anointing that comes upon an individual. And that mantle is symbolic. And what, what is happening here this morning is of a great significance because Bridget and I are, are passing on a mantle and the authority of, of being lead pastors to Josh and Katie. And as we cover them with this mantle and as we pray, and as we believe, and, and as you, by your affirmation last Sunday night and your support here this morning, as they begin to lead you, we believe with all of our hearts that they're going to lead you as a pastor that will love you, that will shepherd you, 
that will lead you and laugh with you and, be, and also challenge you to go through some of the growing pains that is necessary to see a church thrive and grow and to prosper. We believe in them. More importantly, we believe that God has, has, has placed his hand upon them and anointed them for this new season. And for that, Bridget and I are thrilled. We're excited. I, I can't begin to tell you what an honor this is as a pastor to be in a setting in a situation where someone that we've worked together for well over a year now, we've drawn close to, that we can pass on the baton and put the mantle on this couple to take the church on to the next step into the promised land like a Joshua and begin to possess the land. Somebody say amen to that. You're going to possess the land. Amen. I'd like to have um, you, Josh, Katie, if you would come and Bridget at this moment. And we want to. Um Really, I, I brought up also, we've got to remember, there is a very special little girl that is also going to be mantled as the princess of this church. I often call, I, I laugh because to me, Lucy, um, some of you might have heard it before, but I call her the pink tornado because she's so delicate and prissy and cute, but she doesn't come in and destroy anything, but she comes in and your attention is fully on Lucy, right? And she is a woman and a, a woman in the making. And I want to challenge you as a congregation to cherish and love Lucy as if she is your very own. And I think sometimes as pastors, you know, we love the congregation, we laugh, we lead, but our most precious seed is our children. And we don't want to lead everyone else and lose our children. We want our children to progress, be loved, and cherish, and be able to be a child, be able to be who she is. And um, I, we got just a couple, they're simple little gifts, but I just thought they were so amazing. Uh, I found this little uh, bow and arrow <laughs> for uh, Lucy. <laughs> and I thought, she is a straight shooter, you know? If you know Lucy, you know, she doesn't mince her words or anything like that. She is a straight shooter, but, and she's delicate, but yet she's fierce. And so I want you to pray for Lucy that she will be everything that she's called to be in the kingdom. Um, but also, it was so cute. The other day, we were doing our small group, and Lucy comes with um, Josh and Katie. And she brought me, she was dressed up kind of like a little chef with hot pads on and everything on her hands. And it was a plastic little cupcake. And she goes, I baked this all day for you and so <laughs> i thought that was so cute but she's a creative um we have a lot of creatives in our church and josh and katie are creative and so we got this little um little yeah yeah play-doh kit for kitchen aid and everything for her as well to be able to be creative let her be creative um let her be 
what she's called to be. And um, I want to challenge you. I, that's one thing I really cherish about the church. I was explaining this to somebody the other day, how much I love the church. And the church is the hope of the world. And, and God um, sent his son Jesus to die for the people and die for the church, you know. And so I, I just want the church to love Lucy so much and any other wonderful children that you produce in the future. <laughs> we will pre-love them. Um, but I also, as a pastor's wife, sometimes there's a lot of pressure that comes on you um, that people don't always realize, but sometimes they'll speak to you to get to your husband or to try to change their mind or to try to say, hey, you know, it would be really nice if Dana preached on this. You know, I'm like, okay, well, thank you, you know. <laughs> um, but love Katie and let Katie be Katie. I, if I could say one thing, one of the greatest things my mentor ever said to me was, Bridget, just be you. Don't try to be, I, you know, sometimes I'd love to be a Joyce Myers or I'd love to be, I, I had a wonderful mentor and she was just such a godly, sweet, kind woman. And, uh, and if you know me very well, you know that I, I'm not always sweet and kind. <laughs> I can be fierce or I can be really um, say what I think and everything like that. But I want to thank you for loving me just the way I am. You let me, my name means strength. And um, you let me be strong. And I want to challenge the people to let Katie be Katie. Let her be able to develop her gifts and speak into your life. It's like Dana said, there's so much inside of her that um, is yet to be discovered. And give her a, a soil to be who she is and to flourish in the way that she is. And you will be blessed for that. And so I, I want to thank you, Katie, for your gifting and your calling and the compliment that you are to Josh. You're an incredible compliment to him and to his ministry. And I can't wait to see how you're going to flourish. But um, also, I wanted to give something before we give them mantles. Uh, a word came to us back last March, and it was before we really even engaged in what we were going to be um, engaging in and with going to Thailand. Um, but I had a lady call me, and she said, I envision, and she hadn't talked to me in two years, but she was, really has a prophetic voice in my life. She didn't know all the stuff that was going on, even in the new building or, or anything like that. Um, but she said, she said, Bridget, I see you guys in the marketplace. I see this building, and I see you praying and just the presence of God coming down inside, like a, a light coming down and a light shooting up and a light going out throughout the city. And she was describing this building. And I was just amazed because I knew she had no idea what was going on. And then she said, but I see something really strange. She goes, I don't totally understand it. She goes, but I see you and Dana handing a set of keys to a young couple that, they're, that you were just so excited and, and the presence of God was here, but she said, I saw you on a new assignment. And as you were going forth into this new assignment, I saw you handing keys of authority 
over to this couple. And I was amazed. So when Dana and I started going through this process, I said, Dana, I said, I really want to, um, I was thinking of a baton. I was thinking of different things. But there's something about keys that say you have not only the authority to enter into something, but you have the authority to lock something. You can unlock, you can lock, you have the authority to the city, to the hearts of the people, to this church, to what the kingdom, how the kingdom can advance. And in Isaiah 21, 21, it says that God will open doors that cannot be shut, and he will shut doors that cannot be opened. And so I, today, before we hand the mantle to you guys, I just want to hand these keys to both of you just as a proclamation and a, and a pr prophetic word that you will have the authority, that you've been given the authority to go forth and to do the things that God has called you into, and that has been deep in your hearts for years. God did not bring you to the desert to die. <laughs> he, <laughs> he brought you to the desert to plant the seed and to thrive and to advance the kingdom of God. And so you have, we stand behind you, cheering you guys on, believing in you with all of our heart. You're an answer to prayer for us and you're an answer to prayer to the church and we love you very deeply. As Bridget is uh, placing these mantles that they're more than symbolic, uh, but we believe that uh, as we do this, that not only God is pleased, but as a congregation, we need to see and to witness uh, the mantle being passed on to them in this setting. And I'd, I'd like to ask my brother to come and Jeff Peterson to come as well. And, and uh, we're going to pray together um, just prophetically over them. Jeff's going to share a word of exhortation as well. But we want to install them. This is like, you know, an installation, if you will. And then I'm going to, after Jeff prays, I'm going to anoint them. I'm going to ask you to stand with us right now as well, if you will stand uh, as we do this. It's a very important moment. Amen. You know, uh, I'm moved in my heart because I, I just know that when we look at Scripture, there are characters, there are places, and there are moments with all the massive major events, but there's key moments. And I really felt a witness just a moment ago, this is a significant moment for God as he looks down at Scottsdale, Arizona. This is significant. We can't make light of this. Well, it's a, a nice little ceremony. That's not it at all. This is, this is a spiritual moment, and we need to embrace that as, as a church today. And Dan and Bridget, I just want to, I know next week will be your, your farewell and, and all, but I want to, publicly just say god bless you both for being faithful for the work that you've done here and you're you've done it right you haven't done it perfectly but you've done it right because we never do but in that god his grace you know covers and so i really commend both of you today and and josh and katie it's been a a real privilege to just in the last year observe you and 
And uh, I'm just very excited. It's so neat to see how God, and through Lee, Lee is the master, you know, connector of people. He, I, I, I told him that a few months ago, and I just keep watching it. But that's the Lord using, you know, Lee in that. So it's wonderful today. Um, I just have a word and then a picture for you, and then we're going to pray. The word is interesting enough. I have my logos out on my software on my phone. I kept just looking, and, and you used two or three different times today the root word of this word. And it's, it's a really powerful word, episcopus. It's that we, like all sheep, have gone astray, First Peter 2, but we have returned to the bishop and the overseer, or the shepherd and the overseer of our souls. And that's true of all of us here today. But then the same word is used, that root word, when Paul writes to Timothy and says, if anyone sets his heart to be in a, and it's a root word, episcopus, an overseer, then he, he's asking for a good thing. And, and that word is episcopus. We get telescope, microscope, it's from that Greek word. Epi is an intensifier. So it's that Jesus intensely looks at us as a sheep. And an overseer intensely looks then at those sheep and that's what you eloquently uh, spoke on this morning, Dana. And so you are going to look at Banner Church now, though you've already had a very intense view of it. It's going to all change in just the next, next moments. And with that comes a burden, a responsibility, but also a joy. And I appreciate you adding that, Dana, to enjoy. Have fun as you do this. But we know the burden you will carry. Pastor Lee, myself, Pastor Dana, we've all known that load. And, and for my, my wife, it, that we know what that burden is. But, you know, you're going to see Banner Church and Scottsdale even different by the Holy Spirit beginning today. Because you're an Episcopus. You're in that role of oversight. And then the other is, a, is just a beautiful picture I want to affirm and encourage you guys with today. But Revelation, uh, there as we begin the, the letters to the seven churches, Jesus says that he is the one, he had his own words, it's in red, in the, in the red letter edition, that Jesus is saying, I walk among the lampstands, and there's seven of them. And this says at the end of chapter one, the lampstands are the churches. So Jesus has walked among Banner Church all through its history to this point, and he's going to continue walking, and he's not always pleased with what he sees, but we sure want to work that he is pleased, and I believe he's going to be pleased. But no, you're not walking alone. Jesus, the master overseer, he's walking through Banner Church. He was here this morning. Whether we realize or not, Jesus was walking as we worship. Isn't that wonderful? And so you're not alone, Josh. And uh, Pastor Lee and myself, Pastor Steve, we would be so behind you. But Jesus is with you, the wonderful overseer. So amen. Can we pray together? Would you just put your hands out toward them this morning? And as we just lay hands on them this morning, and we're going to pray, and then Dana's going to anoint with oil as well. But, Father, we thank you for this moment, God. We believe this is your moment, God. Our lives are like um, just a vapor, God. Our lives come and go, but you are doing eternal things. And you work past us, before us, behind us, and ahead of us, God. And so, Lord, we are grateful as we watch you bring Josh and Katie to this moment, God. We are thankful. We are excited, Lord. And I, I so value what Pastor Dana and Bridget have done in Scottsdale, Lord, and the years that they poured in. And, Lord, we have sang it earlier, to you be all the glory. It's not about us. It's all about you, God. And so we thank you and praise you for what you have done. And we marvel. We sit back and marvel. We hold in awe that you brought Josh. Josh and Katie here at just the moment in time to plant a church. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask for your blessing. We pray for your touch. 
We pray, God, for all that you want for this church and all that you want for this community, that it will be done as all that you want for Josh and Katie to be and to do will be fulfilled, Lord. So anoint them today. Bless them today, God. May something new begin today. And we just know, God, if you are in it, if you bless it, if you lay your hand upon it, then wonderful things are going to happen. And that is our desire today, God. So we stand back and say, oh, God, have your way have your will bless them and bring awesome things to this couple and through banner church we pray and we bless your name for it believe you for it god give them all the tools give them all the wisdom give them the anointing and god i pray they will walk in humility and they will walk lord as you want them to walk as they lead this church into the next season may they possess the land that you have for this church we pray in jesus name and the church says amen and amen today amen amen Father, as we come before you and rejoice in this moment as a transfer of the passing on this mantle, Lord, as we place the anointing upon Josh and Katie, Lord God, with the oil, Lord, symbolic of the power of the Holy Spirit, Father, I pray, Lord, that in their leadership in this role as they begin to lead the church, Lord, that it would not be through man's power or strength, that, Lord, but it would be an effortless role of leadership that, God, that they would only move according to the leading of your Holy Spirit. And, Father God, that they would be empowered this day, Father God, to lead Banner Church in Scottsdale. Lord, we pray for a strong anointing. And, Lord, I pray, Lord, as an Elijah, God, to receive a double anointing here this morning. Father, we pray for a double anointing upon them. Lord, we pray for a double anointing on the growth of the church. Father God, we pray that through their leadership, of their lives, Father. Lord, as they walk in this anointing and the power of your spirit, Lord, that they would see with their eyes the miraculous begin to unfold. Lord, that even in the small things, Lord, where it demands divine intervention of the Holy Spirit, Lord, we pray that even now, the Holy Spirit would begin to divinely intervene on their behalf, divinely intervene in circumstances, divinely intervene to remove mountains and obstacles, oh God. And Lord, that as they go into the promised land, Lord, that you would give them the possession that you have promised, Lord, to their hearts, to our hearts as a church, Lord. God, we pray, Lord, that you would give it a great abundance in this land. Lord, that it would be a land truly flowing with milk and honey. And Lord, that there would be a spirit of rejoicing as the people of this congregation say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, this is what you have promised. And Lord, we will eat of the land of the harvest, the prosperity that you have given. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, that the authority of this mantle, God, would literally empower them on a daily basis, Father. Lord, as they rise in the morning, Father, I declare in the name of the Lord that they will walk in the authority of the power of the Spirit, and they will not forget that this is a mantle, Lord, that you have placed upon them on this day, Lord. We put this mantle upon them, and Lord, they walk under the mantle and the power of the Holy Spirit and the calling that you have placed upon their life, Lord, in this role of being pastors of this church. And Lord, as they shepherd, Lord, according to Peter, Lord, 
Lord, I pray that they would guard themselves and they would guard this flock. And Lord, we surround them now with our prayers, our support. And Lord, we will follow them, God, as they lead us into this promise. And Lord, we would just ask that you would protect this congregation, Father God, by the supernatural power of your spirit. Lord, we thank you for it. We receive the blessing that you have. And God, let this mantle also be a symbolic reminder to the people that your pastor has been chosen by the Lord. Your pastor has been taken from the sheepfolds. Your pastor now is being released to lead and to guide and to shepherd and to feed and to protect. And Lord, we thank you for it. And we thank you, Father God, as they are anointed to go forth in the name of the Lord. And Lord, we rejoice with all of our hearts at the work that you're going to do. And Father God, I pray no time is wasted, Lord. God, I pray, Lord, that this is the hour. Lord, this is the day for salvation. Lord, that, that we would get up and we would begin to labor and to work and to sow our seed in those places that you have called us, Father God, so that you can do a quick work, Lord. And I declare that, God, do a quick work in the name of the Lord. And we thank you for Josh and Katie. God, we thank you for Lucy. We lift them up before the throne, God, and we will commit to this day to pray for them, to intercede for them, to support them, to encourage them, Father God, as they begin to lead in this role. We thank you for our new shepherds, Lord. We rejoice in their leadership. We rejoice in their lives, Father God, and we pray that you would provide in every way. We bless them. We anoint